they've just said that three minutes left to go. United winning 2-1. Oh, this is life is just wonderful. Marcus Rashford's just put United ahead. PSG came back into it with um, an own goal from Anthony Martial at the start. Uh, there's a lad uh, gone up to the left of me and his brother is the captain of the blind French national team and he's a United fan. I suppose his brother, they're both twins. They're proper into it and they're the, they're the only people there because obviously I'm being very professional and not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... Um, PSG officials they've done one they're going home would it be out of order to start singing cheerio to them 2-1 tell you what United have been really 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 good tonight the defence De Gea's been fantastic Tuanzabee's been fantastic Lindelof's had a really good game Heroes on that pitch this is against PSG they're one of the best teams in the world how on earth did this team lose 6-1 to Tottenham when they home to Crystal Palace just away from home, United are fantastic. Didn't expect this at all from the Zebras tonight, but we're now into time added on. It's 2 1. Just blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Come on. There's Paul Pogba just holding the ball up in the corner. You just sit it there, mate. Just keep the ball there. Oh, yes. Okay. Calm down, son. Go on. Just blow the whistle. Man in the pink shirt. United still pressing. Who's at 21? Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Just, just blow the whistle. Daniel James on to bring a little bit of energy. United have kept the shape. And they've come into this playing 3-4-1-2. Go on, Dan. Go on, Dan. PSG just pushing for an equaliser. No, 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 no. But obviously, um, is that Axel again? What a game! What a game! You're right, mate. You enjoying this? Yeah. Yeah. Come and sit here. So tell me, you're a United fan? Where are you from? I am from Paris, and I support United since 2008, since Cristiano Ronaldo. And that, uh, that team is all my life. It represents all of my life because they play really well. I look all the games uh, away and uh, at, in Old Trafford on the TV. And uh, my dream will be to go to Old Trafford. Yeah, come on! Thank you, guys! <laughs> so, wh why are you in the stadium tonight? You with your brother? Um, with my brother tonight because we are, uh, I am a Man United fan, but... Because he's, he played for the French uh, blind team yeah. and he's the captain of uh, the French team and we have been invited by the Paris Saint-Germain by the club to yeah. see that game and it's always a pleasure to be uh, in the stadium because we are kind of football. We love football and uh, overall we make a lot of uh, uh, things in school with uh, children to say that you can be blind but make a lot of things in uh, your life. You can... Um, make a lot of things and uh, life is good thank Man United <laughs> you enjoyed that then? I enjoyed that game because uh, a lot of passion a lot of occasion and Man United give uh, all the arts on the pitch to win that game and it, uh, it deserved really deserved to win in Paris it was really difficult because the beginning of the season was not uh, great we remember the defeat at home against Tottenham 
we won uh, at Newcastle at the end and uh, today was uh, a great a great 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 performance from Man United and uh, really deserve the next game is against Chelsea we have to to be focused on that game and uh, come on lads vive la france vive la france and vive, vive england maybe uh, my dream will be to go maybe with you at Old Trafford and with my uh, blind brother to see a game and to have uh, fun and passion there brilliant thanks So that was last night and this is this morning and I'm looking at, out over Paris. It's a much brighter day than yesterday when it rained throughout and the rain got heavier and heavier leading up to the match and during the game and I got soaked after the match. And this is all to come. I'm going to sort of do this podcast in reverse order. Now, the last time we were here, that was the biggest ever United We Stand podcast in terms of the number of downloads we've ever had. And we've done over 500 episodes of this podcast. Now, I can't promise the same with this one. I'm not going to be singing Deacon Blue. I'm not going to be getting quite as emotional. And I'm going to be trying to be more controlled. But I do have that high this morning that you get once in, in a while when Manchester United do something completely unexpected. And I would have happily settled for a draw in Paris last night. But... I was extremely fortunate to be in that ground in pretty dire circumstances. It's not the same with no fans there. I miss seeing my mates there. I miss the atmosphere. I miss the players running towards the away end and celebrating. And everyone would have had a great time in this city. As it was, I only know of one United fan who came here. Uh, Kevin Donald came from Manchester. He wanted to buy the French newspapers. He walked around the Parc de Prince with its big concrete shell. Maybe hoping that a gate would be open, but no. And he had to be back in his hotel by 9pm because Paris is under curfew because of the increasing rates of coronavirus. So I was surprised then when the United goals went in to hear a little roar. And it was the two lads who I've just had on at the start of this podcast. And it was a, it was a pleasure to meet them and... You could see their enthusiasm and hear their enthusiasm for Manchester United and they talked about it being a dream of visiting Old Trafford and they were very fortunate to be in, in that ground. I wasn't sure at first if they were journalists but they'd been invited because one, as I explained, is, is a captain of the French national blind um, football team. So I've got some good guests lined up on this podcast and we're going to listen to them. As we go through it, uh, I've got to mention the Athletic who support this podcast. I've got a special offer for you. If you sign up as a new subscriber, it'd be a pound or a dollar a month for the first six months. And you can cancel after six months, you can cancel at any time. But I know the huge amount of work that goes into producing those articles for the Athletic. And I explained last week in the podcast of when I travelled from Manchester to Nice in the south of France by train a couple of weeks ago to interview Morgan Schneiderlin. And a lot of you liked that interview. And I know Morgan's not a legendary player, but that, that doesn't mean he shouldn't be interesting. And that interview took months to set up. And for, to get him to talk and to trust me and to speak openly, that just doesn't happen by chance. It put, uh, took a lot of effort Uh, to do that and that type of journalism isn't, isn't free you know the aggregator accounts can lift the favorite quotes from it but 
there's context, there's nuance, and there's so many quotes in there, which I found very interesting. But there's top quality stuff going on the Athletic about Manchester United every single day from writers like Daniel Taylor, Oliver Kay, um, Adam Crafton, Laurie Whitwell and Carl Anker covering Manchester United and I'm doing a lot of stuff on there myself and as a journalist I like the freedom that I get to do the type of stuff that I've done on there and I know many of you are subscribers but what I'll say is this if this podcast is going to stay free and I've got no intention of starting to charge for it we need to support the advertisers they need to start seeing more results and I can't do any more than get a pound a month offer for something which should be uh, 9.99 in terms of dollars or I think it's £7 full price for a, a UK monthly subscription so give it a try just go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash united we stand I fixed it so that the offer is there it's £1 or $1 per month for the first six months and you can cancel it at any time and if people see that uh, people are clicking through from this website then we will continue to get sponsorship if not, then we're going to have to look at something else if we're going to carry on doing this podcast. Because I'll be honest, it's not easy when there are no fans allowed at matches. This podcast would be very different if fans were in the game because I would have been in and around that away end. I would have been in Paris yesterday speaking to all different kinds of supporters. And you can't do that now. And we will get those days back. We don't know when they are going to be. But until that happens... We're going to have to do the podcast in a slightly different way and I've tried my best. I've had interviews on here recently with people like Dimitar Berbatov or Mark Hughes who does almost no media or Nemanja Vidic or Ash Westwood talking about tactics and hopefully people will uh, continue to listen and to support the podcast. But I'm going to wind back now to an hour before the game. I've got into the stadium, I've walked around the empty stadium shell of the stadium I've seen the murals of legendary PSG players most of them from the noughties and 90s when the team were not so good rather than the present world-class players and my first guest is an award-winning Swedish journalist Joanna Franden known for a long time and then we're going to work through the game enjoy this podcast Greetings from rainy Paris, where we've got a little bit of Marvin Gaye going on in the background. I think it was Deacon Blue the last time we were here for a podcast. March the 6th, 2019, the greatest moment of Ollie Gunner's management career at Old Trafford so far. It absolutely guts me that this game tonight will be played in an empty stadium, not just because of the away fans will be missing it, and I know everyone would absolutely love a trip to Paris but the, the Parc de Prance is one of the most atmospheric grounds in, in world football. PSG may have an image among some people of being this new money club bankrolled by Qatar and of course they are but I came here 20 years ago and it was miles better than any English football ground it was raucous, it was a bit too raucous at times, there were real problems between the ultra groups here but I'm back here to see Manchester United in the first Champions League game. Uh, the ground's empty, there's hardly any journalists here. I've not seen another British journalist yet. And I'm with a Swedish journalist who's a friend of mine, uh, Joanna Frandum. And she's lived in Paris for, I would estimate, seven or eight years. Yeah, she's putting the thumbs up to me now. 
and I remember coming to see you in 2014. It's frightening that that's only that's already six years ago. And you came here, if I'm not wrong, to cover Zlatan Ibrahimovic because he's Swedish and for the Swedish market. And why did you stay so long? What keeps someone in Paris? Is PSG the big story or are you also doing... French politics, French news stuff as well. Uh, it, no, it's not the only story, obviously. Welcome, by the way. Thank you. Thanks very much. Welcome to the rain, to rain of Paris. Uh, must be a, a bit of a shock for a Mancunian. Yeah, uh, it rained in Manchester in... It was one day in June 2002, but yeah. aside from that, I know, as you know... Any time I've been there, it's been really, really sunny and nice. Uh, no, there's a lot to cover here, of course. Uh, so, yeah, I'm doing some general correspondence as well. But more than anything, Paris is a really good starting point for a European football correspondent. So Barcelona is... I take try to take the train, try to be, you know, eco-friendly, as we say, and it's six hours away by train or, you know... London is two and a half away on the train and it's really a very good uh, geographically a starting point for you know covering any big European league so so that's a big plus and uh, it's it's usually a vibrant town I mean this is God knows this is a weird year but it's uh, it's a good place to be I had tickets to a show tonight called the Moulin Rouge which someone recommended to me I was going to go by myself afterwards but uh, it's been cancelled unfortunately because of the lockdown I, it's the, this is what happens when curfew comes you know that no more cabarets no more girls spreading the legs under uh, the pretext of being a cultural heritage it's um, yeah it's a shame what can I say you have to come back I actually, I don't know if I was clearly joking about that, but my sister was a dancer and some of her friends came to dance either in the Crazy Horse, which was another one. So I came here in 95 to watch a football match and stayed with all these girls. And I was like 22 but looked 16 and all these girls were 22 but had like really glamorous boyfriends with flash sports cars. And I just thought there's a real... I don't know where I'm going with this. And hello to the girls, if you're listening in Manchester. Heidi, nice to be nice to see you again. And they they had this incredible Parisian lifestyle because they were dancers. Yeah. It's quite glamour. I mean, to, especially being at the Lido or the, the Moulin Rouge, but maybe even the Crazy Horse, I'm not sure, is considered very glamorous. And uh, this is very hardworking uh, dancers, of course. I mean, you have to be top of the top to get in there. Uh, and I, guess, I suppose you need the physique to fit in as well, because I used to go to one of the bars that's... Re- it's, it's an O'Sullivan, an Irish pub, by the way, just next to um, to the Moulin Rouge. So the girls would pop by and, you know, they're, they're told they're 180, you know, that's the European standard of, of measuring length, by the way. And uh, very athletic. It's, uh, it's a real trade, of course. It's, it's not, that was just nonsense, what I said before. So on the screen behind us now is uh, Thomas Tuchel. Uh, we know he's a good manager. And we know he speaks lots of languages. He's clearly one of the best managers in the world. What's he like to deal with as a journalist? And how highly is he regarded by PSG fans? Because I sense a little bit of tension as well between the sporting director and the manager. And I've seen some quotes which are staggering where he's criticising the club and they're criticising him. And he's, yeah. he's a current manager. It, it's, it's, uh, the situation is quite tense, as you said. I mean... Tuchel was happy to get a second year, you could say, in, in, in uh, PSG terms, because this is a club that's not very sentimental, obviously, with their managers. Uh, Laurent Blanc, which is well known to Manchester United fans, got the sack from having finished uh, 
in the last eight in the Champions League, but gone, you know, got the, got the national treble, which was not considered good enough when he was kicked out in what was this 2016, perhaps. Um, and th- so this is clearly a club that want, you know, you need to do a little bit better than the year before in the Champions League. Now Tuchel got his second year also because what were the options, you know? Uh, and despite the fact that the club reached the the final in the Champions League this weird season, or the last one rather, he is very much under criticism from not well from the supporters a little bit, and because there has been some sort of open uh, conflict about uh, the, the Mercato, you know, the silly season and the, and the transfer market. Uh, with the club and uh, Leonardo, the sporting director, has been very harsh with him. Yeah, there is. You can you can tell that he's probably one big uh, failure away, or by one big loss away from from getting the sack. I think that there's a big risk for that. Despite again having you know broken the mental barrier and taken the team into the to the final of the Champions League. You've followed Slatten around, as we said. You lived in Rome uh, and in Italy when when he played there, when he was in, in Milan, I think, as well. Um, what was he like to deal with? And what's it like for you? Do you know him? You know, he must know who you are. Does he find it weird that you're following him around? What sort of relationship do you have with him? I, I, he would never say that, because he wouldn't probably uh, want to share the fact that he knows who different journalists are. He knows, he knows it very well. Uh, and I tell you what, he was quite good uh, in Paris, mainly because he was usually in conflict or had uh, some sort of problem with the French media, especially after there was a big incident when he said that uh, this was a shit country with shit referees and blah, blah, blah. And then he got, he thought he got abused in, in, in French media and stopped talking to, to lots of, uh, fr- all of the ger- French journalists, in fact. So left in the mixed tone was me and some Italian journalists that he liked. So he would he would stop and talk, you know, for for the good part of the four years that he was here. Uh, nothing, not very personal. I, I'll tell you what, the first uh, and only time that we, we actually had a real sit-down interview and a longer chat was his first year in Manchester when he won the what was going to be, I think, his last Swedish Ballon d'Or. We have the same same name of the prize, best Swedish footballer of the year, his 11th one. Uh, and then he said, so yeah, you're still in Paris and how's it going there? And uh, you could you could sense that he missed Paris a little bit, you know, what he wanted to, for some reason to chit-chat about Paris, what it was like, you know, and I didn't, couldn't, obviously didn't have any uh, news from his his side of the fence, but uh, so yeah, if, if, he, if, he's, if he's in a good mood, he can, he can be, become a little bit personal with you, but I, there was no ever no question of me having his phone number being a, I mean any time I tried to uh, I tried in his entourage a little bit you know you got a number of somebody and they would all be like I'm not allowed to speak to you Slatan will be mad at me if I yeah really? yeah, yeah. Uh, and or, you write for a very well respected Swedish newspaper yeah uh, yeah but also one that Slatan has has had uh, a great deal of problems within the in, in you know in the almost 20 years of career that he has now so it's yeah we, we've had our ups and downs I mean when I was in Barcelona that, that his only season in, in Barca we'd, he wouldn't speak to me at all and then he calmed down and Paris was fine I would say uh, it's still very much depending on how how you treat him uh, you know in, in in your articles because he scans it it may not read all but he keeps himself informed and uh, 
he did say, by the way, I heard you were in a podcast speaking about me the other week. This was when I was in, in, in Manchester, and I thought, this is weird because that means he's very well, in, a lot more than I thought, you know? Podcasts, not only like the, the big headlines in, in, on, the, on the internet. So, so yeah, he's, he, he knows more than he's, he's willing to, um, to tell, I think. Uh, it gives him a little bit more of a sense of power to make you feel that you're not that important to him but media has journalists have been a big uh, a big part of his uh, career and uh, the, the never ending story of boycotting or or being friends with them or giving interviews not giving interviews uh, punishing the whole French media for uh, an incident that he was very much responsible of you know and uh, yeah it's uh, it's an ongoing story I think He had a big rivalry with Edison Cavani, who's just signed for Manchester United, obviously. What was Cavani like here? What was he like to deal with? In what type of esteem is he held by, by PSG fans? Because he's the club's all-time top goalscorer. Yeah, and he's very much loved. And it did take some time for him, because he was also unfortunate, I, you, you may say, to be operating a little bit in the sh in the shade of or in the shadow of Slatan and then Neymar of course. He I think he probably always dreamt of being the big attacking star of PSG and there was always somebody else but he was very loyal. He was uh hard working and he was always present, you know. So he he ended up breaking that record and he still keeps it as you said and uh, and people yeah, the supporters were quite emotional when he left. In fact, then The, the, the circumstances under which he left, you know, that he clearly didn't bother to do the last uh, Champions League playoffs, for example, why, why, or um, yeah, the, the final eight. Who would miss out on that? You know, I, I think his credibility or his the, 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 the love that the supporters had for him uh, disappeared a little bit during uh, that time because it, it seemed weird that he wouldn't want to, you know, take his the club that he spent so much time, why wouldn't he want to to go with them all the way in, 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 into the you know into the new era but he no he's he's he's, he's very much loved and uh, he didn't get very well on with Slatan I think that's that's another obvious you know uh, story or, or information even from that time I, I, I never had a problem with him really nice easy to speak to a little bit on his own you know not very, not the most festive guy not the one that you would see on uh, on on any behind-the-scenes um, shot or anything. You know, he, he, he kept a bit on his own, I think. Slatan was a success in Manchester. Angel Di Maria wasn't, but he seems to have been one of PSG's best players. Mm. Di Maria had a couple, if I remember correctly, of seasons here where he was a bit... It was a bit up and down, but in, I, 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 in my opinion, in the last two years, he's been probably the most consistent uh, performing player of, of uh, PSG, which is just not to say little. Uh, Neymar obviously was has been injured a lot. Uh, there has been a lot of controversy with lots of players. De Maria, he has he's never complained. He's not a, had a big mouth, you know. He's been operating a little bit in the shadow and just been performing over and over again on a, on a, on a weekly basis. So. He's, uh, yeah, he, he was one of the best uh, players in the last season as well. And, uh, and uh, you know, good, good on him. I think he, he, he deserves this and he needed it. He doesn't have a personality that's very intriguing. So, you know, there's no, there's no Zlatan in him or Di Maria or anything. You know, he won't sell that many shirts, perhaps, or jerseys. Uh, but he's, a very, he's become a very, a, a key player to this uh, squad. Mm. Ander Herrera is a bit more interesting. Um, how is... He regarded here 
after his first season at PSG. I know he missed a lot of games at the start, but then he started in the Champions League final. Yeah, and I think that with all that happened in the last six months, he, he's been a little bit forgotten, perhaps. Uh, I would be lying if I said that he has made a huge impression, because he hasn't, and he's, he's not been uh, a, a, a typical starting player for PSG, but very always very ready to come on. Uh, or you know, re- replacing somebody else, and uh, and again, you know, a, a player. I think that the PSG supporters feel that they always know more or less what they get from him, which is uh, a good quality in a squad full of uh, you know stardust and and uh, glamour and all that. The team's coming on the screen behind us now. Um, just looking at Kim Pempe, one of the captains, Parisian, very popular central defender, scored at Old Trafford. Lorenze, Kelo Navas, Anders are playing, and then we've got Di Maria, Neymar and Mbappe up front. Neymar and Mbappe are two of the best players in the world. Have you had any dealings with them? Uh, not more than anybody else. I mean, you know, in a mixed zone or... or uh, obviously, I know people who know them, who, 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 who say they are both very easygoing and, and, uh, and, and you know, easy to deal with... Uh, on the other, well, when they're not on the pitch or when they're in their private sphere, so that's all I can say. It's, it's Kylian Mbappe is, of course, the, the wonder kid, the French wonder kid. It's his story is, is uh, unprecedented in this country, and he's has been on the verge of becoming um, a little bit of a diva, you know, for a while. Neymar was obviously already there. It's been a bit tougher, I think, for for uh, Mbappe to keep his head cold because so much has happened uh, in so little time for this Parisian suburban kid, you know, who's probably still waking up in the morning thinking, what, how did this all happen, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's, with with De Maria, they are the, the I, I would say they're probably the best attacking three in the world right now. And there's the United team just coming out now. Shaw Lindelof, Tuanzebe, Wambasaka, wow, Tuanzebe. Fred McTominay in the middle, Tellez, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford with Anthony Martial, David De Gea. So Paul Pogba, a Parisian, is on the bench. Facundo Palestre is on the bench. The new signing, Van der Beek's on the bench as well. Van Mataman at the moment. It's an interesting side. How was the reaction after United won here last time? Because that seemed to really shock PSG. I started this podcast before that game with a PSG supporting taxi driver who was talking about the teams PSG were going to get because they'd already beaten Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the were pretty assumptuous. And I know that Manchester United saw that and felt that we can attack this. Uh, they felt you PSG had thought that they were already through. Mm-hmm. Did that result shock? Because when we saw Neymar's reaction, he certainly seemed shocked at the time in the stands. It did, but it was also part of the then uh, loser's history of, of PSG in the Champions League, you know. This was the history repeating itself a little bit. And, you know, the big gif, um, as you call it in French, like the, big, the, the real big slap in the face uh, in recent years is obviously the remontada at Camp Nou coming back from... Uh, 6-1. Yeah, exactly. Uh, having won four, four, having beaten 4-0, uh, Barcelona 4-0 in, in uh, Parc des Princes. So this was more than anything... Yeah, it was a shock. And, I mean, you remember the atmosphere, you know, the, the, it, an emptiness and a real, real feeling of how is this possible, you know? And where does this 
who put the spell on the club and how can we who do we pay to get rid of it because that's how things are done in Paris you pay somebody and you get rid of things really <laughs> well I mean that's how Qatari people work anyway I guess <laughs> so that, it was a shock and it was uh, also I mean looking at the game because we all know that Manchester United had very, very extremely f- efficient let's say on the, on, the, on the few occasions that they had uh, you know the penalty was talked about for a week after you know but the fi- the general feeling was that you you messed this up and this is not the first time there is no benefit of a doubt this time this club does not have the mentality to go through uh, to a to a um, semi-final or final spot in the Champions League and the rest of the world obviously laughing at PSG because how, how can you not you know Nouveau Riche uh, Qatari money shady you know background and all that Shady financing, anyway. Uh, so I think that, yeah, it was the, the shock was expected. If a shock can be expected, that was uh, what it was uh, when they when they lost to United here. What the fans think of the ownership model here? Because we had Guillaume on, a PSG fan, in the last podcast, and he said it is a little bit like cheating, like you get a free pass on a computer game just to buy who you want, and. He, he didn't like it, but he did like the fact that PSG were now uh, top of the football tree or near to the top after the struggles of the noughties. I think that very much sums it up because I remember uh, a PSG fan who who said when David Beckham signed for the club, another old connection, and obviously he only stayed for four months, it was about selling the jersey, getting the name. Uh, and this guy said... I don't know what's going on with my club. And then I also say to myself, is David Beckham playing for my club? What happened? And it's just, I guess it felt too good. And you start feeling so important that you can... And, and I, I think the, 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 um, the controversy you know, around the Qatar money, as much as I'm in favor of keeping that alive, because it has to be, it has to be mentioned. You know? It's happening in so many places in European football that perhaps the Parisian supporters also feel that this is the only way of, of being con- competitive, you know. How else are we going to beat Manchester City that has the same... Uh, I, I'm not just doing this to please your crowd, Andy, but who has, you know, being financed from in that sa- under the same circumstances or from, from the same uh, part of the world, let's say, or from, uh, you know, a small dictatorship that really wants to sport, sports wash their, their image. It's... Uh, it's It used to be a big deal. I've had a lot of... I've been in a lot in contact with... Uh, former ultra group representatives and uh, you know during the years they have been banned from lots of games there was a long story of this and it's an ongoing story and then at one point they were welcome back uh, because the atmosphere was was uh, disappearing a little bit as well from from the stadium but it's it there is still a tension around this issue uh, as there should be uh, i think that right now after having reached the, the champions league final it's not so much talked about anymore. It's uh, sadly, in one way, but you know, th- th- that's the way of the footballing world. That is the general feeling, I think. Can I have a prediction for tonight? Bear in mind that everyone will be listening to this after the game. <laughs> Bear in mind that I will look I'll very stupid. I'll predict as well, then. I'll <laughs> okay, look stupid okay. as well. Uh, I think it's uh, is it a two-one for PSG? Then it's a very safe bet. I think Man United are going to win every single game they're going to play and that optimism can vanish after five minutes mm-hmm. and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just not going to predict them to I'm not going to predict my team to lose <laughs> so uh, yeah, to one all alright one all I'd settle for one all but I wouldn't actually because I want want more I'm driven by I don't know <laughs> it was amazing here last time it was you, incredible you sense a five 
nil result coming up here. What, for I mean, BSG? zero five. I think BSG are clear favourites, but I don't want to. Don't want that to enter into my head or my heart because I've come to Paris to watch Manchester United win. That's what I'm saying. The five or the the nil five for uh, Manchester. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't think. I can see it in your eyes. If that happens, I'm going to run onto the pitch. (laughs) Think I'd get banned? Uh, It doesn't take much to get banned here, so probably yeah, yeah, yeah. I could live with that, couldn't I? Being banned from PSG. I'll try and speak with my contacts, see if I can sort it out. Well, you've got some good ones, and I'd like to thank you for your time. (laughs) Thanks very much. United are dressed like zebras and uh, there's quite a bit of media here uh, to cover the game but not so much uh, written journalists like lots of big operations have put the game onto the TV there's the zebras now and here we go PSG against Manchester United not going to get too excited here, but it's half-time and United are winning 1-0. I can't really tell anyone because there's no one here who, who I know. And I wasn't expecting this. United tactically looked spot on. Deserved the lead. It came from uh, Bruno Fernandes' penalty after 23 minutes. That's after he'd had the first penalty saved. But United played some really good football right from the off. They were the better team right from the start. They've come away to one of the best teams in the world and attacked them. And PSG look out of sorts. And that's partly because Manchester United have been so effective. That's a United with Axel Tuanzebe, whose last game, if I'm not mistaken, was against Colchester United in the League Cup last December. It's with Alex Tellis uh, making his, his debut. And he took a few minutes to settle in, but then he started hitting some beautiful crosses. You've got Bruno Fernandes in the middle being vocal. David De Gea is having a great game. And... He's also shouting and encouraging his defence and I've just seen Axel Tuanza be dispossessed Neymar. This is fantastic. Just end now. <laughs> just end the match now. Don't want to get carried away. I've got to try and keep my head together here. Um, but this is, this is brilliant. I'd, I'd like to say you live for moments like this but it's, it all feels hollow because the stadium's still empty. But judging the performance alone so far, United have been really, really good. Even now, I'd take a draw out of this game uh, because PSG, if they start to click, you sense that there's a big threat here. But United have been really good so far, so very, very good. Questions? Um, if you'd like to put your hand up, Ali. Ali, um, what was your thinking going into the game tonight in terms of the team that you played, the tactics that you used, and how do you feel about the end result and performance? I think the performance was good. I thought we deserved to uh, to win it. We created chances. Of course, we um, we lost Eric. We lost Harry. Uh, Mason isn't uh, ready yet. So we we made a little change. We've got players who can play with. Uh, we've got players that can play split strikers. So we're thinking uh, thinking that they could do some damage. 
an actual first game in 10 months, Alex debut, so we thought we wanted to protect him a bit as well with playing the back three, or five, whatever you like, and um, I thought uh, it worked well. Me too. Yeah, it's a better performance this time than last, uh, even though the result, uh, we won 3-1 last time, now it's a 2-1, I think the performance this time showed that we, we have developed uh, Scott and Fred in midfield were uh, outstanding. And David as well? Yeah, yeah, David. We know when we go here against players and a team team like this with players like Neymar and Mbappe that we have to defend well and David will have to make a few saves and um, he produced the goods. Leaving Parc de France now and it's absolutely pissing it down. I've just been in the press conference and asked Oli Gunnar a couple of questions and listened to Thomas Tuchel. Very disappointed man. He felt that his team didn't turn up, that the preparation was okay, but it was a bit flat in the changing rooms before the match. Uh, the music wasn't its normal volume, and he was disappointed, but he also said the structure of his team had been changed because of, of, of the absences. I'm walking back towards the, the Metro now with Jonathan Johnson. He's a... Uh, a, a French football writer. He's originally from Birmingham and he's lived in Paris for how long? And welcome to the United We Stand podcast. Uh, over 10 years now in total. What did you make of that tonight? Oh, very impressive from a United point of view. I was surprised, surprised at the, you know, how solid the performance was. Kind of felt like nothing had really changed since United were last here. Uh, you know, similar conditions, quite cold, rainy, uh, you know, and United, uh, you know, showing a lot of grit again. So, Disappointed from a from a PSG point of view. I was surprised that they, they put out such a such an uninspiring performance. Uh, you know, but United showed a lot of character. I thought De Gea made some fantastic saves at key moments. So did Kaylor Navas. You know, if the, if they weren't in such good form, the the result would have been different. But you know, I thought United were good value for their win at the end of the day. And based on the results since the the international break, it feels like you know Solskjaer could use this uh, new momentum now to to push United on. Kalo Navas and De Gea came so close to swapping clubs in 2015 that Navas was at the airport in Madrid ready to go to Manchester. Yeah, um, to be honest, it really doesn't surprise me uh, you know, that, that a club of United's size and stature would have wanted to, to bring in somebody like Navas. You know, watching him since he's arrived at PSG has made such a massive difference. Uh, I know that, that De Gea has had some struggles with United uh, in, in recent seasons, so you know, it, it didn't surprise me when, uh, when I learned at the time that United were trying to, to replace De Gea with, uh, with Navas. De Gea can be a fantastic goalkeeper on his day, but there are very few shot stoppers uh, in the European game who have the same consistency as, uh, as Navas. What went wrong with PSG tonight? I know they had some moments, some glimpses, but United and the defence and Axel Tuanza have been playing his first game since... Uh, last December when he played against Colchester United in, in the League Cup um, they were a match for them Yeah absolutely I mean I think PSG but there didn't really seem to be that much of a game plan there was no uh, you know sense of urgency within the players uh, it's quite worrying now the, the statistics around this PSG side Kylian Mbappe no goals in six Champions League outings Neymar no goals in four uh, you know, if you're Thomas Tuchel, you'll be quite worried about the, you know, this lack of goals, 
Icardi with a knee injury at the moment. Uh, you know, but let's not take anything away from United. I have my eye particularly on Twanze Bissos. You know, it's nice to hear you mention him. Obviously, as a, as a Villa fan and somebody who enjoyed a very fruitful loan spell with us, to see him perform like that, you know, particularly, you know, without a, a, a lot of match practice as well was, uh, was very heartening. Uh, and, you know, I think that United just simply had uh, a much better idea of what they wanted to do than PSG this evening. Uh, you know, and PSG have now made things hard for themselves uh, when they're looking at the group, especially when you consider that Leipzig won their opening match as well. It's, it's a bit of an uphill task and, you know, PSG seem to do this quite often, especially in recent seasons in the group stage. Normally they overcome these hurdles, so we'll see if they manage to do that this time. Uh, but, you know, to me it felt like uh, United wanted it more uh, and, and, and set out with a clear aim of, of how they were going to win the three points here. There are a couple of Parisians in the United side. Anthony Martial started, played the full game. Paul Pogba came on. There's a couple of other younger players at Old Trafford from this city, which is a football factory which produces more world-class footballers than any other city on earth. What is the thinking in France on Paul Pogba and on Martial as well? I mean, Martial is somebody who French football fans have seen as a, a potential talent now for a long time. And you see flashes uh, of, of brilliance, but there's yet to be a really sustained period of form. I know Scholes was talking recently uh, about his frustrations, uh, how Martial was performing so well, so consistently, scoring so regularly towards the end of last season. Uh, you know, and now doesn't really look like a, an out-and-out attacking talent. Uh, once again, and, and Pogba, Pogba, I, I, you know, I understand to be a very divisive uh, topic uh, with it, within United ranks. You, but as somebody who watches him when he's on international duty with France, I'm always struck by the way he sort of embraces his very influential role, this, his leadership role with the French national team, yet seems to sort of rail against it when he's asked to perform a similar role uh, with United. I think that, you know, that, that's sort of my main observation uh, about the, 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 the Pogba issue. It doesn't seem like he's as invested with United as he is with the, with the French national team. What did you make of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactical setup tonight? Because he changed the system. It's a system which he may go with again. He has played three or five at the back before with success. But to come here, it seemed quite a brave, if intelligent, system to play. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's a gamble that paid off well. I think he was helped by Tuchel's lack uh, of, of, of tactical awareness. Uh, you know, we didn't really see Tuchel trying to make any changes during the match. He was commenting at the end of the game that it, you know he was at a loss to explain the performance yet. You know, I think he was, you know, he was tactically uh, outwitted by by Solskjaer. And Solskjaer seems to have uh, Tuchel's number when you bear in mind what happened back in 2019. So, you know, I think Solskjaer does deserve credit for for, for the systematic changes uh, that you know that he brought in for this one. Uh, you know, and I think it, it could bode well moving forward uh, for United, particularly in Europe. Uh, you know, to know that switching to this system is uh, is something that could uh, bring them success, particularly on the road. I spoke to Peter Schmeichel at half-time and he was more doubtful. He didn't think that this system would win United the Champions League. But I was saying, look, we're 1-0 up against PSG, mate. This will do for me for now. United are now 18 unbeaten 
away from Old Trafford, excluding neutral grounds, and that goes back to January. At Old Trafford, it's more of a struggle, and that sort of mirrors what happened last time. PSG were excellent at Old Trafford. They won comfortably. The problem was when they came back here. So I wouldn't write PSG out of it at all, given A, how good they can be, and B, how indifferent United are at Old Trafford. I, I completely see your point, but I, you know, I think uh, the, the, cl- the current climate uh, you know, surrounding football also plays into this. There are a lot of teams who like to call upon their home support, and when that's taken away from them playing behind closed doors, uh, you know, it has a detrimental impact on the performance of these teams. I mean, we've seen it with PSG. When PSG are roared on by their ultras, uh, you know, the, the sound in the stadium makes it very intimidating, makes it hard for, for teams to come away uh, from home and, and dictate matches. Uh, you know, and I think United benefited from the lack of PSG support at Parc des Princes tonight. You know, perhaps it will play into PSG's favour uh, at Old Trafford, you know, a place where, where United are used to playing to, you know, to sold-out crowds, you know, almost week in, week out. So, you know, I think it unnerves a lot of teams who are used to playing in front of big, uh, you know, big audiences to suddenly be playing in front of nobody at all. Because it is a cauldron, isn't it? The, the, the Parc de France, it's a concrete cauldron. It's not the biggest stadium. I think it seats 46,000, but the atmosphere is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, a, it's very insular as well. So when you build up an atmosphere inside it, uh, you know, it, that, that atmosphere lasts. It stays around as a real dim. Uh, you know, it, it can you know, get into the opposing players' minds very, very quickly. And, you know, I think PSG sort of lack that, uh, that, you know, that, that wall of noise uh, that, that intimidates certain opponents. So that's it for this pod. What a night in Paris. Congratulations to Oli Gunnar for his team, for his tactics, for the way that he shifted the tactics from the three or five at the back to four at the back when Paul Pogba came on after 66 minutes for Alex Tellis, who had a promising debut. Chuanzebi was brilliant. David De Gea was brilliant. There were great performances all over that pitch. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We hope to bring another podcast after the game at the weekend. And just a reminder, check out that offer for a £1 or $1 per month subscription uh, to The Athletic's website. There's lots of brilliant stuff on there. And go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand. That's six months. That's six quid for six months and you can cancel at any time. Please link through, support this podcast and we'll bring you plenty more. Hopefully as happy as we've been in Paris once again. I'm up to the Eiffel Tower to fly a red, white and black tricolour from the top.